You're listening to episode 202, Authorized Love with Danielle Randall. And I, I just was standing at the register and again, like, you know, life is always speaking to me. Mm. And I had noticed several times that week, the word authorizing every time I swiped that payment. Mm. And I literally stood there one day and I said, you know, if I authorized love as often as I authorized this debit card, mm. I would be doing better. Like it was the answer to a question I posed to the universe and said, of all the things I do, what's the what's the red thread? Like, uh, whether we're on the fitness mats or we're on the mat of your soul, like we are giving power to love, and when we do that, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that happens. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hope you're having an amazing Friday wherever you happen to be. A Course in Miracles, starting it off today to kind of go with the theme. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. Such a great quote. If you've ever read A Course in Miracles, I highly highly recommend it. It's a bit of a tough read, but I think it's something everybody should read or get familiar with. You know, some of the stuff in there is just, they have so many golden nuggets in this book. It's a phenomenal, it's a big book. It's a long book, especially if you get the original unabridged version, but wonderful, wonderful piece of literature everybody should have. This quote right here reminds me of the power of love in our lives. I know that sounds maybe a little cheesy for today, but you know what that truly means not in a trendy way, but it's what it truly means is love truly does have the power. At the end of the day, we have to choose between either love or fear, especially in the crazy times that we live. It is about creating your life out of one of those two. It's a very binary existence and everything that we want, all the excitement, all the relationships, all the positivity, all the abundance, the wealth, it all comes from a choice of love and to live your love life out of love, not one out of fear. And today my guest is going to help us really discover that and how to create that in our lives. Her name is Danielle Roundel. She's the founder of Authorized Love, and she teaches people how to give power to love in all situations, under all conditions, and at all times. She believes there is no greater power than unconditional love, and when we have awakened to this truth, even the seemingly impossible becomes possible. Resistance disappears and results are miraculous. Danielle is a mentor and life coach, and she's an ordained minister of spiritual consciousness. In 2017, she published her memoir, I Met God in a Nightclub, The Unconventional Truth, which recounts her spiritual awakening and journey that no doubt has shaped and guided who she is and how she serves the world today. If you want to get in touch with Danielle, she's on Facebook at Danielle Randall and Authorized Love. You can all go to authorizedlove.com or Instagram 
Authorized Love. And she's offering for all the listeners of today's episode free daily love notes and trainings. If you want to subscribe, uh, you can go ahead and follow a special link. We're going to be posting this in the show notes for this episode. This is episode 202. You can find the blog post and links related to this at danceoflife.com slash podcast. Look up episode 202. Now, today we're talking about authorized love. What does that mean? You know, Danielle's founded this movement, and I absolutely loved it. I wanted to get her on the show to talk about it because what does it mean to live your life in the moment? You know, what, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to live from a space of unconditional love? How can we deal with fear or self-doubt when we're faced with a challenge? What does it mean to love yourself? How do you put that into practice every day? These are some of the questions that motivated me to find Danielle and to unpack her brain about what all this stuff really means when you get down to it. And today, one of the most overused uh, words is love. You know, like I said, it sounds a little trendy to talk about this kind of stuff, to live in unconditional love. It sounds maybe a little woo-woo, but that's really all we can do. That is the highest aim in life. And my goal today is to share this beautiful conversation with you that we've had on this topic, to really empower you with some powerful tools that you can take in the modern age today to really live life this way. So I'm super excited to share this conversation with you, share it with anybody that you find meaningful in your life that's going to get value from this, that needs to hear this message of love and inspiration today. I hope that it makes a difference in your life. Let me know. You can also email me, tutor at danceoflife.com or on Facebook, Instagram at Tutor Alexander Official. Let me know what makes a big difference for you today. You know, I absolutely love to hear from you guys. And I so, so, so love you and appreciate you for being here on this journey with me. Let's jump into Authorized Love with Danielle Randall. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm here with my good friend, Danielle Randall. She is an author, a speaker, and the founder of the Authorize Love Movement. What's up, Danielle? Welcome to the show. Hi, Tudor. Thanks for having me. Man, it's a crazy time right now. We were just talking. We had, I was like, man, I should have hit the record button a little sooner. We were having a great conversation off air here, but it's a crazy time right now, isn't it? Yeah, I would say that we are in the throes of uncertainty in all the ways that we really don't want to be. But it's, you know, you raised a good point and I want to I want to start with that because you said basically we you know, yesterday whatever like metaphorically yesterday but you know, a short while ago we were used to being in control, like a, living this assumptive life, right? Which is basically like, oh, you know, this is going to go a certain way two months from now and five months from now, it's going to go this way. And then, you know, with this whole coronavirus thing, it has upended this, this expectation, this, this way that we've lived, especially in the Western world where everything is just so planned out and, and comfy and technologically secure, I guess, you know, I don't think people are sure. used to living in a situation where they're not in control. Yeah, I would say that for the most part, people were living to the expectation that tomorrow would be what they were choosing. Mm. And the only thing that's different right now is that the whole world realizes that they have no idea what's coming tomorrow. And they're faced with that reality in palpable ways. Mm. 
Uh, it's not just a idea anymore that you're entertaining. Oh, you're not in control. Well, good luck controlling that, hmm. right? This is the ultimate um, experience of surrender because you literally are without a say in how this goes. You have the right to control the things you can control, right? You can control your thoughts. You can control how you react emotionally. You can control what you do to sort of quarantine, protect yourself, self-isolate. But even in those, in those places, there's so many variables right now, so many moving parts that you really have such a little influence over that you have to give up this illusion. Hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting because you mentioned surrender and I think there's a lot of, I've always been a proponent, like at the end of the day, look, ups and downs happen in life. There's this old parable that you just reminded me of. I'm like really super into Alan Watts and Zen and all this stuff. And I just posted this yesterday on my Facebook and it was the parable of the Chinese farmer. And it's this short parable about basically long story short, this Chinese farmer, like all these things keep happening to him. And at every time something happens, like the horse, a new horse comes in and the horse breaks his son's leg, then the army comes and tries to recruit and all this kind of stuff. But the lesson is that there's, the villagers are always like, oh my God, that's so terrible. Or, oh my God, that's so great. And the Chinese farmer's response is always like, well, maybe, we don't know yet. So it, there's always another thing that happens that sort of cancels what they previously said about it. So the whole point of the story is that ups and downs happen and you never really know what the purpose of that current up or down is, you know, so don't get too emotionally engaged. So I think there's a real valuable spiritual lesson during times like this and the call it shadow phase or lower, you know, whatever lack or scarcity, whatever you want to call it. There's a golden opportunity. You know, you mentioned surrender. What do you think people, what do you think there was like one thing that people can really get out of this as an opportunity? I think, especially spiritually. Yeah. Be here, be here now. Hmm because that's the only place you ever were anyway. Yeah, and, you know, welcome to what it really is. Mm. This is it. Like, in my opinion, no matter what we're facing, the only thing we have is this moment. And how you show up in this moment is really going to support what you want to see happen every moment beyond this moment, because you get to choose again. So I like to tell people, who do you want to be on the other side of this? Whatever this is, right? So for me, this is a new crisis, but it, my methodology doesn't change. My methodology has been tested over the last, you know, almost 20 years working with clients in this body of work that I do, and the methodology doesn't change. So who do you want to be on the other side of this determines how you will be in the midst of it. And if you want to be someone who makes it to the other side, then you're going to behave in ways, right? You're going to align your behavior, your thought, your emotion with how you want to be on the other side. Mm. And that project backwards almost like from the future backwards. If you, if you want to be on the other side of this and you want to feel empowered, then you can't move through this like a victim. Hmm. Right. So you have to surrender the idea that something's being imposed on you right now, whether it's quarantine, boredom, uh, getting laid off from work. Right. Like that would be thinking about this from the state of 
things are happening to me. Hmm. But if I am choosing that on the other side of this, whatever the this is, in, in today's world, we're talking about being on the other side of a you know, pandemic situation that we've never had before. Well, I want to be on the other side of this feeling empowered, which means I'm going to move through this experience in empowering ways. I'm going to show up. I'm going to teach. I'm going to learn. I'm going to listen, right? Like I'm going to move with purpose every single step of the way. Hmm. And that really doesn't change for me, whether we're looking at widespread crisis, temporary crisis, or we're talking about creating something completely new. Yeah, the model's the same. I mean, ultimately, it's how we deal with, um, you know, the external world and things that we can't control, whether it's somebody breaking up with you or losing your job, a pandemic. I mean, it doesn't matter the flavor, right? It's just, it's all the same in the end. I mean, not to diminish it in any way, but it's all the same. No, there is no diminishing. The crisis is widespread. That's yeah. the only difference. It's not on an individual basis right now where like I have clients who are experiencing all kinds of crisis not related to this particular big broad one. Yeah. You know, they had things going on before the inconvenience of the coronavirus. <laughs> so truly like things for their careers, things in their marriage, things in their parenting, right? Like there are still people who have diseases un, you know, related to this. There are still people who are losing parents. There are people who are giving birth to new children. There are people who are giving birth to new businesses. Hmm. I have clients who own restaurants that just opened six months ago. I mean, it's, you know, when you think about like the things people are facing, they've been facing things. Yeah. And so some of us can't even afford with the exception of safety and um, doing the things that are right to conserve our health. We can't afford to be focused on what's happening because there were other things in motion before this got here. Yeah. The world didn't stop just because suddenly there's, you know, some new coronavirus that's floating around. <laughs> no, I mean, and I think it's interesting. I always like to talk about the pause. It's really how you behave in the pause that matters. Hmm. Because life pauses us from time to time, whether we ask for it or not. Yeah. And this is a really big pause. And this is like unprecedented, right? Like <laughs> we have shut down society the way we know it in many ways. Yeah. Uh, but it, again, the methodology, you know, stands like, how will you behave in the pause? Hmm. I like that a lot. You know, that's, it's just, I, I've personally can relate to that a lot because I've had a lot of pauses in my own life where it's forced me to kind of see the value in the pause. And I find it, especially now, like I'm not really bothered by it, but I see a lot of people and people that I know that don't know what to do them, with themselves, that they have all this extra time or, you know, whatever, like obviously things are closing down client. If you own your own business, it's slower, like that kind of stuff, you know, it's, and I'm like, okay, I don't have time for the things that I was doing in the past. Like, let's say my appointments are less per day, but I do have a lot more time to do, you know, whatever, creating stuff that, you know, planning the future or creating things that I can look forward to. And, and rather than getting sucked into this feeling of, oh, now I just don't have something and being in scarcity mindset. So I always find that these times when things are paused, there's, it's always a good opportunity to work on 
on things that you normally can't work on. But what, what have you found are people's biggest obstacles with, I guess all those things that we've been talking about, you know, with, with being in victim mindset, with being present, I think it all kind of wraps up into one, one problem, you know? So what have you found in your experience, maybe now, or maybe just in general, the pattern, what are, what is like the main obstacle? What is the main reason why people have a hard time, you know, switching the paradigm, I guess, switching that paradigm and, and utilizing this time as an opportunity and framing it being present. Well, I, yeah, I think that for one, the pause creates intimacy. Mm. And that's usually first with oneself. Interesting. And in a quarantine situation, it can be you and others, you know, where you believe you have intimacy because they're your family members, your roommates, your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's not necessarily the, the, the truth for us, right? Like intimacy means that you have to look inside of who you are, who you've been, what you've been doing, right? And a mm. pause of this, you know, magnitude puts you face to face with the things you have been compartmentalizing, the things that you've been avoiding, the things you've been parking for a later point, right? Mm. Like now you have this space. People don't, people don't like space. Yeah. They, everybody wants space, but they don't like space. Space is uncomfortable. Space means you have to feel things that you were not ready to feel, that you didn't want to feel, right? You may have to address aspects of your relationship that you weren't aware, you know, you weren't making yourself aware of uh, that were dysfunctional. Mm. And when you stick people together, all these things become heightened. Mm. And so... I think intimacy is the, is really the the biggest obstacle. That's really interesting. That's such a good answer. I love that. I mean, intimacy is something that we're so it's, it's like that love hate relationship, you know, like to be trendy, but I mean, it's like we want intimacy in our lives. It's something that we crave and we, we fundamentally need, but at the same time, it's such a difficult thing to, to get the true intimacy in your life, to be intimate with yourself, obviously at first and, 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 be able to spend time alone and ask yourself questions like, why am I doing, what am I doing? You know, from everything from your business to, you know, the things, your behavior or how you act with people to intimacy with other people, you know, and, and being okay with sharing space and that uncomfortable feeling of cooperation. Because when you have to cooperate with people and there's no clear, you know, like when you have, an authority situation where there's like, okay, clear roles, right? Like I am going to be over here. You're going to be over there. Like it's not really that intimate because there's no, (laughs) there's no sharing, you know, but if it's, if it's equal and we're all equals and we have to cooperate and negotiate and and communicate uh, that, that is very, a lot more challenging. And I think that these days we have a lot of challenges to intimacy. Would you agree? I mean, do you think that we have a lot more challenges to intimacy now than maybe before where people were living in a different way without technology or I guess the news? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, th- I mean, I do think so in terms of what I believe true intimacy is and what, what do you believe what, true intimacy is? What's your definition of it? Inner awareness. Hmm. And, and if I'm, if I am really aware of what's happening on the internal landscape for myself, 
Mm-hmm. It also gives me insight into the person in front of me, mm. not from a place of projection, but from yeah. a place of compassion. Mm. And I think that the reason we are uncomfortable being intimate with ourselves is because it requires us to have a level of vulnerability that jostles our identity. And this Mm. is like the work that I do the the most is around identity and embodiment and vibration. And who are you being, you know, in this moment to create the things that you really want when we're talking about the, the most exciting work you could do, right? Mm -hmm. Starting from a concept to creation. And this vulnerability, when you look at who you really identify as, sometimes the parts that are in there that you're not willing to see don't line up for you. Mm -hmm. And that can be very jarring for people. You know, lots of people tell you like, oh, I'm so nice. I'm so giving, (laughs) right? But then the truth is when they're really like looking at who they're being, what they consider may not line up with the truest expression of what it means to be loving, what it means to be kind, what it Mm. means to be giving, right? There's no judgment on my end about it. But when you see yourself for the first time, you look different, Mm. you know, and, and that really makes you, it makes you, I think it makes people uncomfortable because they don't know how to be anything other than what they've been. You know, and so people mm-hmm. say, like, I, I want to be close to you. I want to have more connection. But they don't know how to change their ways of being. They don't know how to adjust the aspects of the identity related to how they think, how they feel, so that they can be available for more connection. Mm-hmm. So it's like a nice idea, but not that easy in terms of making the transformation. How do you go from, I mean... Cause that's a good point. And I've been through a lot of various experiences in my own life. Very, very fortunate to have experienced wide range of different things from like energy work to seminars to, you know, everything from one side to the other to get you to basically open up. And for sure, you know, anytime, especially those first couple times, you know, when you wake up to certain things like, Oh my God, I've been doing this. It's an automatic thing that I've been believing in or, you know, it's like when you now, you know, nowadays I'm, I'm used to it. Certainly there's, it never ends. You know, there's always stuff that you realize about yourself, but it doesn't, I don't get jarred by it as much as I did before for sure. But I remember the first couple of things that I ever did in my life, like seminars and stuff. When, when you, when you become aware that first time, it's a sensitive period of time, you know, and I, my question is how do you help people bridge the gap, you know, I guess the gap of like, when you crack that eggshell, it's, it's a very sensitive time, you know, because it's, it's like that time when you could rebound really quick back into safety and, you know, all your mechanics and identity and stuff. So how do you get people from one identity, which was serving them for some period of time? Obviously we create our identities because they're useful to some degree, but they're not useful in making us fulfilled. So how do you help somebody create or recreate their identity to be structured around the things that actually give their spirit fulfillment, give themselves, you know, creating that reality, whatever, but you have to, there's that period of time, right? I mean, ultimately when you crack that eggshell, it's, it's not going to happen instantly that you're suddenly, you know, enlightened or whatever. But so how do you help, how do you help somebody, um, 
you know, traverse that bridge? I would say starting with a worthy goal. Mm -hmm. So in terms of exploration, really allowing and giving space to what you really want. Mm. Um, A lot of people think they want one thing. And when we explore the, you know, undercurrent of that, Mm -hmm. they, they have an entirely different need or desire in terms of fulfillment. Mm. And so when we go through my processes, whatever they look like for that person to get to a place where you're earnestly aligned with this idea of what you really want, the transformation actually teaches you. Hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I could say, I could say to you, you get I inspired want, rather than you're trying to control the outcome and create it. Correct. I guess coming and, to you and I guess more of a download. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And, and really like an embodiment. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful process. And I think when you hold people in sacred space, which is what I do every day, then we can, we can open so much deeper, so much faster and, and have a connection of trust that I will put to you this way. I always tell people, if you don't like where you're going, you can always go back to who you were, but it's a good idea to at least put a foot in the new land. It'll be there anyway. (laughs) What it's like. Yeah. You can pick it back up if you want it. I mean, if you're not happy with the idea of having more money when you have more money, well, then go back to not having money. It'll be right there for you. I mean, that is true of anything. The contrast is so powerful. Hmm. It's like, here's where I am. Here's what I want. Where where are the behaviors, the thoughts, the feelings that I need to embody in between to bridge? And as I begin to embody them, I see myself experiencing the new thing I say I want. And then it's up to you if you get there and you say, I'm really not enjoying this, or this is not for me, Hmm. right? Then you can say, okay, well, what do I want now? Because now you've been through the creation process. So you have the skill to create. Mm -hmm. I think when you're, when you're in a, when you're in a guided process with someone, you really do understand what's happening. It's not just, you know, it's not happening to you. It's happening through you. And that's a different, that's a different knowledge. Yeah. It's a skill for sure. I mean, I think part of it is listening, right? I mean, a big part is just learning to listen and, and kind of just to piggyback on what we were talking earlier. I think that especially nowadays people are so addicted to momentum, you know, to keep going and going and going. And I talk about this too, because in movement, if you study movement, if you look at any kind of movement, if you want to go from one direction to another, you have to go through some sort of neutral stillness phase. You have to like stop or relax or, you know, you can't be contracted all the time. So for me, that makes sense because, you know, if you want to redirect your life at any point, you have to like at least come to some point of stopping, you know, but I think today we're so addicted to momentum that we've disconnected our ability to listen, which, which is where, some of these answers come from, right? When you, when you really train your listening is when you're training to connect to that higher, higher power. And you don't, you don't need so much motivation. I feel like we're so like dependent on like, you got to just work hard and, you know, motivate yourself and willpower. And, 
it's just so much work for what? Like when you can train yourself to listen and allow greater forces to inspire you. It's a different way of approaching achievement and manifestation, I think. I would agree. Listening is the number one skill. Mm. Life is always speaking to you. Always. It always has feedback. Divine intelligence is never on pause. Mm. So if you can listen, then you have access to everything you need. But in that same uh, line of thinking, you also need to be here now Mm. in order to listen. So it's stillness is excellent for listening. Being here now is being present. And if you can do any of those things, then you always know what to do next. And you always know what not to do. Mm. It's not always time to do, which is to your point, uh, momentum is one aspect of moving forward. Mm -hmm. It's not the only ingredient. How do you tell when somebody... I mean, I guess, how do you help people or, you know, you can answer this for yourself too, but how do you distinguish between, let's say something that comes to you, like, like a message from the heart or your spirit. And I guess like another thing that maybe you're trying to create, like, let's say, you know, trying to make a scenario here really quick, but let's say you have this idea of having to be successful and you really want to be successful and you achieve a lot. And that's how you're measuring your success. And you have a particular project in mind. And, and obviously there's, there's two forces always influencing that, that future picture in your mind. There's, there's your heart and the things that you want and they're, they're maybe spiritually fulfilling to you. But then there's also kind of the things that society tells you, the culture, everything that you've grown up with. So how do you know that a message that you're getting in your mind is heart-driven or it's coming from another place? Let me put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So I see that as like intellect and intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd like to be able to discern which one is driving at any time. Yeah. Intuition is more than just a thought. It actually lives in your body and mm. you can become skilled at listening. If you were to get still, take a deep breath, close your eyes, focus on a place in your physical body like just giving awareness to the physical body and you were to pass the idea that you just said, right, through your body, you'll know because you'll get feedback about whether or not that idea is heart-driven or intuitive Mm. or whether or not that's coming from your intellect. And the way you would know is that When you give yourself an idea, if you can like just speak a a sentence, if you would, right? Like I have to have um, a million dollars to be happy. Mm. If I, if I pass that through my body, then I either feel expanded or contracted. Mm. Right. And this is more than just energetically. You can actually feel your body. So for the person that really is not intended to make a million dollars to be happy, meaning they don't need that. Yeah, It's not that they can't have it. They are welcome to create it. But if we're talking about like, I need to have that in order to, you know, experience more joy, mm-hmm. then when you push it through your body, your body's going to contract if it's not true, because it's like, no, no, that's not something that I actually believe is a truth. Mm-hmm. But when your body feels very open and expand it and you can feel it. Some people feel it as a rush. 
of energy. Some people mm. feel it as like just a an, an openness. I think expanding and contracting are two good contrasting, you know, words. When you play with them, you see what that feels like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that gives you a very quick answer about whether or not that's uh, intellectual or if that's intuitive. Hmm. That's really interesting. I mean, there's so much that we have I don't know about loss, but just disconnected from in ways of using the intuition, you know, especially during these times, again, kind of a little bit crazier times. I think that the intuition is one of those things that if it were utilized more, it would allow us to connect to that peace and calmness and that eye of the storm. Because again, things change all the time. The, the world, the world's problems just had it added one more problem. People, like you said, we're still starting businesses, having babies dying, you know, still adding, but yet it seems that when fear strikes, and I think fear is very part of our culture right now, uh, that intuition seems to go by the wayside. Like there's a certain state I think you have to be in to access your intuition. No, like you, you have to be in a certain I guess relaxed or find some stillness to access. You're not going to do it when you're panicky. That's for sure. Right. Like you're not going to, or maybe not. I don't know. I, I don't see so, intuition happening when you're freaked out and anxious. Not if you're unskilled. Mm. Right. So if you have a relationship with your intuition, then the house could be on fire and you could still hear. Gotcha. That like it's a muscle. And I like to teach people how to exercise that muscle, strengthen that muscle so that literally under all conditions in all situations and at all times you have access. That, that to me is the gift, right? Yeah. Um, but like and say this statement and this will help people may be more discerning. Yeah. Emotion clouds judgment. Mm-hmm. So it to what you're saying, if you are in panic, then you need to check your emotions because they will cloud your judgment and your judgment is something you want to push, you know, any thought or idea through in terms of like what's intuitively being, you know, guided or what do I think I have to do to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. or just even like from a, from a practical standpoint, when you say like, we've been taught, there's a certain set of knowns. Mm -hmm. And so you've been conditioned to believe that you have to do X, Y, and Z to get, what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, your intuition may say you only need X, not Y, mm-hmm. right? Half of Z. And it may not be logical. So your intellect won't like that. And it may discourage you, but that's your judgment, right? It's your emotional judgment that stops you from listening to what you really feel called or pulled to, you know, do or say or create. Well, intuition is connected to that greater source, that greater consciousness, which is all the moving parts. And I think intellect is as much as we pride ourselves on intellect, it's a very limited feature, right? I mean, yeah, I think there's a room for both. I think what I like, what I like to do is to say that I want my intellect to be influenced by my intuition. Mm. So I will, not the other way around. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So the, the, when you have a broader knowledge base, your intuition has better language mm. for that resonates with you to direct you. Gotcha. You can know things and have no language for it and it makes it feel less trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And so you're grasping, like you're not sure how to 
do the thing you feel like you need to do. Yeah. There's no way to translate the, the feeling or the signal that you're getting. Correct. So there's nothing wrong with having a lot of knowledge. In mm. fact, it makes your intuition like really quickly able to identify for you like, Oh, go to page 22. You know what mm. I mean? And like, look up that, you know, whatever it is, the instruction that you're getting. Um, and I think that's what makes some people really sharp in this world. There are a lot of smart people in the world. Oh yeah. And they access their intuition even when they don't know that they do, right? Mm. Or they don't feel like they they wouldn't say to you that like, oh, I'm super intuitive. They call it all different things. They say like, I know, I have a gut Hunch, feeling. Yeah. Or, yeah. But a lot of times when you're seasoned in a particular um, study or practice, a lot of times your intuition is just using the language that you have, that knowledge base to accelerate the things that you're going to do. Because intuition is not totally illogical either. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's some determining factor that it uses. It's just, it's just a different way. And I, I think I totally agree in the sense that using both, it's always about having both, right? Masculine, feminine, yin and yang, having the logical with the, with the intuitive working together. I was going to ask you, do you have anything recently that you've experienced where you used your intuition? I mean, just a, something that was very interesting story that <laughs> where you, where you use your, cause I, for me, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like with me, like I'm always like I, it's just, it's ridiculous. I'm actually starting to document it because I think it'll make for a good story. But literally, I'll be thinking about something and there's a license plate in front of me. Every Like I can't, can't tell you how many times this has happened or a song will come on. License plate or song. Sometimes a billboard ad with like a message and it'll go exactly with like, I'm like, I'm, it's not just me making meaning here. Like this is, this is weird, you know? So I was going to see like, was there anything in you recently that happened with your intuition where it's like, Oh man, you know, like I really went with my intuition here and it, it paid off or, you know, it saved me from something or whatever. So it's, it's hard for me to say because I live from that place. Mm. I almost can't separate anymore. What's intuition and what's intellect. Wow. There isn't anything that I do that I'm not asking Mm, you're not before I'm listening. Yeah. Before I'm doing. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's really the way I, it's the way I live now. But what I can say is you're talking about confirmation. When you talk about license plates and songs and feedback mm-hmm. and to my point, life is always speaking to you. Yeah. So of course there are, there are certain conditions you can create for yourself where you start to see things because they're on your mind and that's what you're doing. And and it's not actually your intuition working. However, when it happens, it's more synchronicity Mm. than not, right? That means you're getting confirmation and little breadcrumbs that you're on the right track. (laughs) It's feed, it's feedback. Like you're not, that's why I say divine intelligence is always operating to, to assume that you can live outside of it is silly. It's like hmm. the trees don't grow upside down. Yeah, you're not you're not separate from the environment. You're intimately feeding into it constantly information. Yeah, and I kind of believe that like life knows what it's doing. Hmm. Even when we don't understand what it's doing, I believe that life itself is 
inherently intelligent. And how do you how do it. you train people to to do like let's say you get somebody you know who who has no you know they're operating their life completely from intellect right so how do you train somebody to to get to the point where okay they're listening on a daily basis they're kind of tuning in they're asking they're surrendering that kind of stuff like how do you shift that mindset and how how long does it take <laughs> um it depends on how how much of a need there is for the person like what's mm. their motivation so for for people who are highly motivated by pain mm. you can you can turn it around pretty quick like if, if they're dealing highly, with some painful situation right now yeah mm-hmm. yeah sure because if we spend if we spend any amount of time together and i get you still which is what i'm going to do mm-hmm. and I'm going to hold a vibration of unconditional love for you. And in that space, all of your intuition is going to come forward, right? Because I'm holding that vibration for it to be the dominant energy of our session. Hmm. So now you, you get a taste of what it feels like. Like I can switch you in one session into listening. Will you maintain it? That's where it becomes how badly do you want it? practice, Yeah. Yeah, because it could be equally true for something exciting if you're creating something new in your life and you want to feel it, taste it, have it, you know, Mm -hmm. then you're also going to be willing or motivated to put your intellect on the side to do some of the practices like the one we just talked about uh, in terms of like passing it through your body, checking Mm -hmm. in, right? It doesn't take long. I say talk to everything and everything will talk to you. Hmm. So in my book, I have, it's really my story. It's my memoir, but it's like the story of my spiritual awakening. I like the title, by the way, like what, uh, (laughs) I'm going to ask you, where did you get the title? I met God in a nightclub, the unconventional truth. I like that. So I'm from New York City. I was living in New York City. I was going through a divorce at the time. And I was woken up in the middle of the night and I heard in my intuition, literally, you're going to write a book. And I was like, who's going to write a book? Like, who, what is happening? And I, I got up and they said, get a pen. And I wrote it down and they said, I met God in a nightclub. And I thought, wow. oh, okay. Well, it's true because I was working in the nightclubs in New York City as a cashier. So that part wasn't so random. Uh, the part about writing the book and giving the unconventional truth of this story, meaning like my experience of spiritual awakening, Mm. that was a little bit more um, surprising to me because I didn't think that it would be something people needed to hear, if you Mm. would. I was living it, right? Like it didn't feel to me like this was the kind of story that I should be writing a whole book about. I'm not a writer by, I don't know, by nature, I'm not a writer, right? So um, it took me, it took me 10 years to finish the project, meaning oh. I got up that first night, I wrote a chapter, I wrote the uh, outline, if you would. And then I went back to bed and I could not write again for eight years. Wow. I picked it up many times and sat and tried to write and would get stuff. And it just, it wasn't the same consciousness. Like it was mm. a different channel. Mm-hmm. And every, it felt so forced, yeah. right? This is another energy that you talked about earlier. Like, how do you know it's not intuition? Well, I felt like I was forcing myself mm. to make up a story. And eventually, 
I had a cold one night and it was eight years later. And literally that same voice that woke me up, you know, eight years earlier said, get up and start writing. I wrote six chapters that night. And wow. it was like, it was like taking stenography. Like I just was listening and writing and listening and writing, even though I was listening and it was my life, yeah. I was listening and writing. And I made a commitment that night to finish the project. And so then it, you know, that took two years to finish it, get it published, you know, and get it out. Um, but yeah, that's to me, that's my intuition, hmm. right? Like I'm, I tried to write and I, it felt forced and I said, okay, this just not right, you know, not the right time. Hmm. Obviously I'd like to have finished it before 10 years. It felt like a little long. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's funny. Like I can relate to that because I've had, I, I love to write, but you know, it's sometimes I've, one thing I've noticed with creative projects, especially like books and stuff is I'll get, it's like, you know, we're going to pull like quantum physics here, but you know, it's like mm -hmm. in reality, everything's already been already created. Everything's existing, all layers of time, everything, how we experience it is like, you know, these little slices of nows, but in reality, everything's already there. So the only way source can communicate with us is in like little chunks. You know, it's like you get these pieces. I notice I'll get a vivid picture of something and it'll be, you know, over here on the mosaic and then it'll get another picture and it'll be over here on the mosaic. And then you just, after like eight pictures later, Oh, that's the line between all of them, you know, and you have to just be a uh, big lesson for me was just to, to not want to control it intellectually and mentally and draw the lines between it, but just more like, okay, that's a, that's an idea. That's a picture. I don't know where that idea is going yet, but it's important because it feels important. So I'm going to write it down and you know, it just seems like everything comes in its time. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I think absolutely. I, that, that is my life. Everything that I have known to be true, knowing that there is no space and time, hmm. you know, when you get a, when you have like, access to the other side, right? Like I feel like I can, I have access to the veil. I can mm -hmm. lift that veil anytime I want. I can see, feel, know anytime, any space. And I realize that just because I can access it doesn't mean I can live it. Mm. And so I think when we, and that, that's part of like the creation process. It's, it's here, you see it, you feel it. I saw the book, I knew the book was real. Yeah. I trusted that it was right. Um, and then I allowed whatever had to happen in between happen. And I, I feel like it's like that all the time. I take notes in my phone that I know are not for right now. And I actually had this happen recently, like in the last couple of days, I have had a program written out that I thought I would have used in my work before now that the other day I woke up and I felt like, no, now's the time. Hmm. But these are concepts and ideas I've been breathing into and giving life to in my body, but not in the real world for years. Hmm. And I'm like, Oh, this is what this is for. How interesting that this makes, you know, total and complete sense now where, like you said, you have like this piece of the puzzle, but it doesn't make sense. So you don't really have like, you don't feel compelled to take it any further. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of that, especially during this time. Have you always been, like connected or was this something that, you know, like there was there something that happened that changed for you and kind of got you on this path or have you always were like you an intuitive kid, you know, were you getting 
visions and you know messages and stuff or <laughs> or did no. you know was how did it start for you like how did you get on this path right uh, definitely not i had two emotions okay and fine <laughs> um <laughs> so you were the four. person when i asked like hey what's up you'd be like i'm fine <laughs> correct <laughs> and uh i was so to be a full empath right now is it really no, nothing short of miraculous um I was, I would not consider myself intuitive. I would have considered myself intellectual. Mm. I definitely felt more driven and willful than anything else. I was a really hard worker, raised in New York City. I had a great like corporate career before I put my hands in any of these, you know, new boxes. Mm-hmm. And in my book, I think the awakening part is really what happened. So I was really working as a cashier in a nightclub. And the woman who was sitting with me, who was also a cashier, I was like the promoter. She was for the house. Um, her job was to babysit me, essentially, and make sure I didn't steal anything. And so she was like, she was a psychic spiritual counselor. It was weird to me. I had no interest in what she was, you know, offering or doing because I, I had a judgment about all of that. Mm. It wasn't something I felt safe in. Um, so I, I watched her work because she didn't have any actual real responsibility except to watch me. I watched her talk to people over and over and over again. I watched people come and go feeling more lit up, if you would. And she kind of just was magnetic. Like, I'm like, what do they want with her? She's so magnetic. She was so jo- like jovial. She would be I'm like, she's almost silly, if you would. And I was so rigid, so uptight, so strict. I was like a corporate, you know, um, manager during the day. Yeah, yeah. So like, I did not have this levity and intuition. I was like, you know. And uh, I couldn't help myself. Like, I had to know what she had. Mm. Uh, so I just asked her, I'm like, like, what do you have that I don't? Like, what is with you? I was arrogant. Perfect to be intellectual was, question <laughs> right there, right? <laughs> I said, what do you have that I don't have? Like, I'm, you know, I mm. was like demanding the answer. And her answer was so, it was like a shitty answer. She said mm. to me, well, if I tell you, then you can't unknow. Oh wow! Like (laughs) who drops almost like uh, yeah, like the Matrix. So you're about to take the blue pill or the red pill? (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought to myself, like, again, very ego-driven, completely arrogant in my answer. I was like, "Well, I want to know." And she was like, "Okay." And she started to talk to me about things that the truth is now that I know. You can't unknow what it is. Yeah, it doesn't go backwards. No, you can't go back to sleep. So Mm. I didn't know that's what she was talking about. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but that's typical me. I I really never know what I'm getting into. I'm just all in 100%, you know, I'm like, give it to me, I want it. And then I'm like, oh, wow, that was a lot. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, I'm the same way. It's like, I I feel I'm either 100% in or you know, but it's, you know, it's funny. I had an experience the other day cause it's, it's been raining a lot here in Phoenix, actually, even though it's the desert, it's been raining quite a bit. And, 
it's God, it just totally reminded me of this. It's, it was such a profound, it's one of those like simple little experiences, but then it's like, it just opened the floodgates, man, because you know, one of the things I've been trying to work on, especially in the last few months is like my perfectionism, right? So I have a, a girl that I work with. She's a good friend of mine. She does the emotion code, which is like, a, it's really popular now. Apparently Tony Robbins is um, endorsing it. But anyway, it's, it's like energy work and, and work on my perfectionism. Okay. You know, and it's like, I realized like, man, just wanting to fix my perfectionism is a part of my perfectionism, you know? And, and I, uh, <laughs> I was riding my bike and I came to this, I just like a normal route that I take, but the, the area was flooded, you know, and it was, it was pretty flooded. And I was like, ah, I'm like, how am I going to go through this? So I, I'm like, all right, can I still go through? That means it's a yes or no. Like, can I still go through if I keep my feet up, you know, and I'm not pedaling and I don't get wet. And I, and I went through and like, I reflect, I had this little moment of reflecting on what I just did because I was like, wow, you know, like I always go for it. Like no matter what, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I've been so hard on myself about, you know, being, let's say that, that you have the strategies that make you successful. Like, okay, one strategy is hard worker. That's part of my identity. I'm a hard worker. I'm going to, you know, push through any challenge, whatever. And it's like too much of that will get you burned out and disconnected. And then you start questioning, well, maybe I shouldn't be such a hard worker. Maybe I should slow down a little bit, you know, and so on. But then in the process of doing that, you also, because you're a hard worker, you start questioning being a hard worker too much and you go the opposite extreme, you know, so you start judging yourself. So anyway, this, this little moment of crossing that puddle, I was like, you know, I'm really grateful for, and I accept who I am that no matter what, I'm always up for a challenge. Like no matter what, like I didn't, I saw that flooding and I wasn't like, ah, let me turn around. I'm like, let me, let me find a way to go through this thing. And it was just such a funny, you know, it's a simple little moment, but it was like, it was a moment of just utter like self-acceptance and, and being like, okay, like I'm, I'm good with myself. Like it is. And, and in, in that moment, I felt a lot of that perfectionism just kind of dissolve. And it's just so funny how it's like a Chinese finger trap. You know, you, the more you struggle against it, the the worse it gets and the more you let it go and and listen and kind of surrender. Right. We've been talking about that a lot. Uh, It just, it's easier. So it's really, really funny. Oh yeah. I will say it in the way I say it. If anytime you argue with reality, you lose. Hmm. That's a good one. You can just, you know, like that, I mean, that really clears up a lot for me, a lot of the time, because I already know that it's like you go through the puddle and you're, you may get wet. The puddle is there. There's not that part you're not changing Hmm. and you're making a choice to move through that puddle, right? You're deciding what would be the best way, how you could possibly come out on the other side with the least impact you know, but you're not, you're not arguing with the fact that there's a puddle. Mm. So when you stop arguing with it, right, you win, you went through and you feel you get to the other side. You're like Mm. happy with yourself, accepting yourself. Right. So anytime you argue with reality, you lose. And when Mm. you stop arguing with reality, you move into acceptance and acceptance takes you into love. Mm. What, you know, well, I was going to ask you what is love, but what is authorized love? Let's start with that. I mean, that's, I really like how you've put that together, but what does that mean to you? And and what do you tell people that it means? 
It literally means to give power to love in all situations, under all conditions, and at all times. Mm. And for me, love is unconditional love. So what I find is love in the many forms that we have given it meaning, mm-hmm. you know, romantic love, uh, friendship, um, even familial relationships and you know all of these forms. or i love cheesecake which is i love cheesecake (laughs) (laughs) i love cheesecake (laughs) i own that um when we when we talk about love in those ways we've given love conditions Mm. and so i was i was actually at the grocery store because i used to i like to eat fresh produce so i shop a lot and I, I just was standing at the register and again, like, you know, life is always speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And I had noticed several times that week, the word authorizing every time I swiped that payment. Mm-hmm. And I literally stood there one day and I said, you know, if I authorized love as often as I authorized this debit card, mm-hmm. I would be doing better. Like it was the answer to a question I posed to the universe and said, of all the things I do, what's the, what's the red thread? Like, what is it that mm-hmm. I actually do? Because there's a lot of different ways. Like you said, you do dance and you do courses and you do the podcast. And I have a lot of different expressions of my work. Mm-hmm. But what is it I'm actually doing with all these people in all the different ways? And at the time, I owned a CrossFit gym with my husband. So looking at that work, um, it just was really clear, like, whether we're on the fitness mats or we're on, you know, we're on the mat of your soul, like we are giving power to love. And when we do that, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that happens. Hmm. You know, I love this quote, I think that you shared is love is not something that you do. It is who you are. And I think a lot of times we get caught up, like you said, in giving it a condition right? Rather than seeing love as this overarching state of being that we can either be in love in the sense of in that state of being or not, right? Yeah, very much. It it is a, it's a choice, but it's also, it's also a way to pull back anything that would obstruct your experience of love. Mm. How do you get somebody to isolate the idea or distinguish it? I should say distinguished unconditional love, you know, because like, it's such a, you know, like, like you said, I mean, we've, we've added the word love to everything from cheesecake to romance to, you know, and yeah, I love cheesecake too. I mean, but it's like, we have associated that word to so many different experiences that involve pleasure or emotion of some kind where it's like, okay, once you filter all that stuff out, when you get true love, you know, which is something much more subtle, much more deep in, in, in everything. How do you get somebody to distinguish that? Like, what is that? How do you help somebody find that in their life and create it? I guess. So, yeah. So I just tell them, you know, give me your problem, your situation, your, you know, where you are, and they give it to me, they tell me and describe it. And I say, okay, so now the love is non-negotiable. Mm. Once we remove love as a scapegoat or a condition, you have to tell me what the real problem is. Mm. What is the thing that is keeping you from having the experience that you say you want? 
So if you say that you don't love yourself and I look at you and I think, okay, I don't even believe that's possible that you can't love yourself. You can disrespect yourself. You can dishonor yourself, but you can't not love yourself because you are love. So if the love is non-negotiable, we have to look at the behaviors. We have to look at how you treat yourself. We have to look at the dysfunction. We have to look at your thoughts. We have to look at what your, um, you know, what your patterns are. And it's the same if you're talking about love, like a relationship problem. He doesn't love me the way I need to be loved. Okay, well, let's take love off the table. If the love is non-negotiable, it's there. What is really going on? Then they start mm -hmm. to talk about the ways that they have created unconscious agreements with people, that they work for love, meaning lots of people think they, they are loving someone, but they're really manipulating them into working for their love. And that's a pattern you, you pick up early on in life or you develop if you couldn't get what you wanted the way mm -hmm. you wanted it. So some people are very much taught to work for love mm. and they, they just repeat that cycle, right? So once we take love out of the equation, it, everything falls apart pretty quickly. Hmm. And we get to see more uh, what we're looking at. It's like the main scapegoat that seems to be mm -hmm. in front. And then once you take it out, you can get to the actual actions that, that happen. Do you think forgiveness is a huge part in allowing people the space to, to love themselves and to love other people? Uh, I think forgiveness is, oh, I have, I have a thing with forgiveness, right? So yeah. you can, it's a, it's a pouring forth of love mm -hmm. to forgive. Like I'm going to give it to you before mm. I actually get it back. Right. So if you're going to give love and then that makes you receptive to experiencing love, then forgiveness is sort of a neutralizer. Yeah. If you would. Because I don't really, I don't, I don't work with forgiveness as much. I used to do a lot of forgiveness work. And then I really started to see that forgiveness was holding people back. It was giving themselves something else to judge hmm. about themselves or about another person. And I thought, you know, if we were to just, again, take, like, take that off the table, right? Then, then you open up the space to really experiencing unconditional love hmm. because you'll have more understanding of what's, you know, what's really going on. Hmm. Do, you, um, do you think that people tend to, like when you said that it holds them back with forgiveness, because that's, that's really interesting to me. I think that's a good point. Like it's really difficult to forgive you know, let's, let's say you have a really difficult situation, like somebody assaulted you in some way or, you know, whatever, somebody, you know, harmed you in a very serious way. And it's like, there's, we know intellectually that, okay, if I forgive, it's not about this person. It's about my own health, my own, it's, it has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with me. That's the, that's the idea, but it's very difficult to do. So in what you're saying basically is by sidestepping, that and just leave, you know, leaving on the table and focusing more on creating a state of love in themselves. 
that kind of just dissolves. I'm guessing that whole struggle of, ah, I don't even want to forgive this person because they're still pissing me off, whatever else. Right. That whole ledger is, is just kind of erased because they're not even focusing on it. What you, what you put your attention on persists. Right. So I guess. Yeah. So I think the word I use is withholding love. Mm. And if you withhold love from someone else, you're withholding it from yourself. Mm. Right. Cause this is the deal from earlier. You're yeah. contracted. That's a good, that's a you good have one. a choice. You can be contracted or expanded. Hmm. So if I'm contracted, I'm also not receptive. Right. And yeah. so when I'm not receptive, then I can't, then I'm blocked. Hmm. And if I'm blocked, right. Then I can't get what I say I want. So if I, if I help you get to the place where you have understanding of what really bothered you, like, did you feel betrayed? Did hmm. you feel, um, abandoned, right? Like if we get to the, the core issue mm-hmm. of what the, like the reason you would need to forgive yourself, right? You, you want to forgive yourself, but the truth is you abandoned yourself in a moment when you're, you needed yourself. Mm. Usually people tolerate behaviors in relationships, behaviors within themselves or around them because they're working for love. They thought that was if they did the thing, if they gave up the piece of themselves, that if they just gave a little bit more, they would get the love that they wanted. So there really isn't anything to forgive. There's a behavior to identify and to understand that like, oh, I abandoned myself in that moment. Hmm. I didn't honor what I really wanted. I didn't Hmm. do what I really said, right? Like when you abandon yourself, Yes, you have separation, and in separation, you want to come back to wholeness. Well, forgiveness for me is, is, is a nice idea, but I didn't do anything wrong to, yeah. to say. You know what I mean? I mean, I, was, I did the best I could. So yeah. there's nothing to really forgive. Anyway, that, that's more or less. Yeah, forgiveness is like, it's like in the world of duality and you're sidestepping duality altogether. It's like, okay, I'm just focusing on what is and what I could do differently next time, right? I mean, pretty much. Because forgiveness implies, like you said, that you, there was something that was wronged. And as long as there's that duality, you'll, you'll spin on it and you can sidestep it <laughs> by just focusing on, okay, bare bones, like what, what actually happened. I mean, one thing that I just thought about with, with what you said is with couples, because it's like you mentioned people working for love. And with couples... I could see that being, I mean, I've, I'm single right now and I'm enjoying it, but I've definitely been in the situation where I've worked for love, you know, and I've had other people that I've dated that worked for my love and, you know, this very common thing. So how do you, how do you work with couples to, or people in relationships where they are in that mentality where they're working for love and it's like, okay, you know, shift your mentality to, because if you're working for love, you're acknowledging that you don't have it. You're contracting, so you're not going to get it. So it's a vicious cycle. So how do you how do you switch that in in somebody that's in a relationship? Um, well, for first, we look at how are they working for love within themselves. Mm. Most people have a laundry list of criteria of what they need to do, who they need to be, how they need to be before they will be lovable. Mm. So if I clean that list, 
what you're not asking yourself to do to get love, you're certainly not going to start doing it for someone else. You're like, oh my goodness. Like, I have been telling myself when I get all the dishes done and when I get the house cleaned and when I make all the money and when I've, you know, attended to everyone in my home as a people pleaser or, you know, service in service to your family, let's say, when I've done all that, then I will be good, Hmm. right? Then I will be worthy. Then I will be lovable. Well, that's working for your own love. Can you be lovable right now? Can you feel and give yourself permission to experience like the, all the love right now? If I mm. never did another thing. And wow. when we sit in that space, even if anybody listening to this just took that question and said, if I, if I just was a lovable right now, if all the love I ever wanted was here, I guarantee you, you will feel expanded like you can't actually ponder that question and not feel something Mm. because unconditional love is truly that it's right here. It's waiting for you to remove the condition to receive what it's giving you, whether you want it or not, like Mm. it's here right now. So every layer we pull back, I mean, it almost gets silly. Like people are not willing to do the things they were once doing. Most people will make themselves very small for love. They'll the sort of like etch away parts of themselves. So they fit or meet the criteria of the person that they're dating or they're in a relationship with. They do it with their parents, right? You don't have to be in a relationship for this. They will like strip away little parts of themselves and sometimes lots of parts mm-hmm. to match up to what the expectation they believe is required to get the approval. Mm -hmm. But even that we can break down because I look at it and say, okay, where do you want the approval? Where do you want validation? Well, we can give that to ourselves. I don't need someone else to do that. And when I stop doing that in a relationship, you know, the other person stops like making you dance because you're not asking them for something. You show up okay, right? If you really genuinely are good with yourself and you show up like that, people feel that it's palpable. It's not questionable. It's like noticeable. Mm -hmm. No, that's so, man, that's, God, that's profound. It's like, but the way you phrase that, I just love it. Like, okay, it's right here right now. We just have to align with it. That's it. It's already here. It's, it's like permeating reality. You just have to, we close ourselves off regularly through our own, whatever, shame, guilt, fear, doubt, constantly closing the borders and we just have to open it up. It's already there. It's not something you have to search and obtain. It's not something separate from you. It's you've separated yourself. Right. When you stop working for love for yourself, Hmm. you you are it. So it's silly to me to think that like the whole self-love movement and all of these personal development um, processes. I've been in this long enough, so almost 20 years of working and learning and teaching and studying with the best in the world in terms of personal development and spirituality. And I, I think so much of it is just downright silly because we want to complicate. We like complicated solutions. Oh, yeah. 100%. We like it. The more complicated it is, the more, you know, like 
people want to like tap and they want to journal and they want to do 40 forgiveness statements for yeah. 40 days and they want to, and I'm like, you want to over process something that's actually available right now. That's the intellect, right? I mean, that's the intellectual, it just shows our intellectual drive and dominance in society that we want to, you know, make everything into a system and 12 steps to unconditional love or whatever, you know, it's like. It's a value perception. We, yeah. we perceive things that are complicated as valuable. Mm. And I am the least complicated coach that's a good one that we perceive things that are complicated as valuable we tend to see things that are simple as that's that's so profound because you know you look at the eastern traditions where all this consciousness stuff began i mean the simpler the better there was nothing to achieve there was nothing just the present moment that there was the highest level of knowledge was to to know nothing <laughs> it's like to be a blank slate and yet here we, we pride ourselves on accumulation of, I guess you could say material things, you know, ideas, knowledge, strategies, hacks. It's interesting. Hmm. Well, we could just be here right now. Be here right now. everything is. There's your lesson for today, folks. Be here right now. If you could <laughs> practice that, then <laughs> you, you win at life. Uh, you got anything exciting coming up? Uh, exciting. I don't know. The whole world's on. I know, board. right? <laughs> I, mean, I feel like, uh, I feel like I don't know, but I, I'm excited about being able to offer trainings right now. I have happy hour for the soul coming up this mm. week. I'll probably end up repeating that process over and over again. What's happy hour uh, for the it's, soul? It's a, it's a virtual gathering where we're going to really take the time to learn how to be here now and nice. to celebrate what is, you know, life itself in this moment and give people some space to open their hearts and minds uh, together in a supportive sacred container. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. You know, especially with, with everything going on, I think the more we can leverage technology to actually help people connect rather than getting scared. It's a beautiful thing. We are so blessed. This is this quarantine in today's day and age is so blessed. Yeah. There's I mean, can you imagine if we didn't have the internet? <laughs> I mean, be nuts. I, I, we're so blessed to be able to continue. Think about the, just think about that. Like we can say work from home. How would you run a factory from home? <laughs> like you know what I mean like thinking about like the way people work today and I'm not saying that we don't have factories those people are making hard choices right now right those are different there's a different level of commitment for that but the fact that so many people have the option of connecting like you and I are mm. in virtual space still producing still creating still moving forward in so many ways is really a it's a blessing yeah, 100%. What are you most grateful for right now? Oh, I'm most grateful for, for me. <laughs> I mean, for everything that I have, that I've ever learned and studied and embodied and become, I feel like I'm most grateful for me, for life itself, like that I just get to be who I am and that I get to be alive during this time that I, you know, I feel like it's so interesting because this is, 
we're in March and it's my birthday month. And Oh, nice. When's your birthday? Uh, March 27th. Oh, it's coming up. <laughs> yeah. And it feels to me every day like I was born for this, like for mm. this right now moment. And so yeah. I'm like, really, maybe it's selfish and I'm really fine with that. Um, but I feel like I'm so grateful for myself right now. I'm like, wow. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a great time to be alive. I mean, we are so lucky. I mean, you have in your palm more access than the president did 20, 30 years ago. I mean, it's crazy. (laughs) It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, and people, I think by nature want connection. Mm. And right now, a lot of the world is feeling isolated, but they're going to learn that they're more connected than ever before. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with my good friend, Danielle Randall. So many golden nuggets in that conversation, man. I absolutely love it. You know, I hope it's inspired you to live in the moment, you know, to drive your life from a place of love. I hope you've gained a new and deeper perspective for what it truly means to love, to live your life out of love, to have self-love, especially, you know, that's so important these days. We live in such a constantly critical society, self-critical society. We're always out to get more, to push ourselves. And in that kind of a space, it's very difficult to develop self-love because we're constantly looking at what's not right and what's not going wrong, uh, what's not going correctly for us rather than seeing what we can love about ourselves. So very important conversation today. If you want to follow Danielle, go check her out at authorizedlove.com. Make sure you also download those free love notes and trainings. If you're into that kind of stuff, she does a great, great job with that. This, the link's going to be in the blog post for this episode. It's episode 202, danceoflife.com slash podcast. You can sign up for regular updates there as well, but that's going to be where all the links are. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure you share it with somebody, one person in your life today. It's going to make a difference for them. You know, this kind of stuff, I think it needs to be out there more and more. That's why I love having these kinds of people that are inspiring on the show, because these kinds of messages of love and creating miracles in your life, truly, they need to be out there more. And Danielle's message is beautiful and powerful, because let's not forget a Course in Miracles. If you haven't read the book, go get it today. It's a, it's a book everybody needs to have. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. You know, our only purpose here, guys, is to love. I believe it starts with ourselves, and then it gradually moves outwards to others. It's a practice Every day we have an opportunity to practice and, of course, create miracles in our lives. It's not easy to love ourselves, to even love other people, but that's all we're here to do, and it's a life's practice that we can commit to every day, every moment. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Go out there, love yourself, love somebody, and share this with somebody who needs to hear about a little bit of love today. Tune in for transformation tuesday we have some awesome stuff coming up and friday i interview dr kruish madahi on anti-aging dentistry he's one of beverly hills top dentists we're going to talk about the mouth body connection microbiome a lot of exciting stuff really cool i mean the oral health is such a big part of the health scheme that i think many people miss i'm super excited to have dr madahi 
on the show. So you don't, you don't want to miss that. Make sure you tune in. It's going to be this Friday. Until then, hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Remember, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.